Morning news starts right now. Georgia, he was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's oh, I, John. I, 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 I had it wrong in my head. I thought we were going to get to the part. Now, here we go. Put it up. Put it up. Johnny, you're rising up your bow and play your fiddle hard. Cause yeah. Cause hell's broke loose in Georgia yeah. and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. But if you lose, the devil gets your soul. I didn't know I needed it. I didn't know it's I needed it. Song. I know. Yeah, it's funny when you work at Cat Country, you get to meet all the country people uh-huh. like all the time. And I grew up listening to Charlie Daniels, and I was like, you know, the first time I was like, oh my God, you, you've shaped my childhood. You're sir. right, sure. And then the next time, it's like, man, you're part of the fabric of my life. And then, you know what? The devil's part rocked. Like, why did you <laughs> write the, it like that? Right, like, yeah. I know. I know. The devil's part is the best part. Yeah, the other part kind of rots. <laughs> and he's right. like, I think you misunderstood it, lady. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then he died. Not right then. Also, great demonstration of how I almost know lyrics to songs. Uh, five eleven. Right. on <laughs> Same. Picking out dough. Even a, Why would you give dough to the chickens? Even even a song that I have heard how many thousands of times, God knows. All right. So yesterday uh, we had a press conference. Uh, Sheriff Bob Johnson, you heard a little bit of this from uh, David just a moment ago. But Sheriff Bob Johnson making some announcements related to the um, charges against Marcus Spanavello. Thank you and good morning. Thanks for coming out. This is a, a great day for Santa Rosa County um, because we're getting a scumbag off the streets permanently. So back on March 27, 2022, Cassie goes missing. On April 1st, we arrest Spanavello in Tennessee on an SRSO warrant for tampering with evidence, which is a felony third, and obstructing, which is a first-degree misdemeanor. The day after that, Cassie's body is discovered in Alabama. Yeah, and you remember when he was arrested, we hadn't even had proof confirmation of her death and so you know you get him on anything you can get him on you know what i mean when you you think you know what's happened but you don't have the evidence to prove all of that so you take him into custody any way you can and they do and then it goes on for a couple of months and then they finally managed to get the fbi involved which was a pretty short timeline from the fbi gets involved when you get a resolution december 22 excuse me december 2022 um the fbi is called in and then, as you saw yesterday, January 25th, Spanavello is indicted by the U.S. Attorney's Office, Northern District of Alabama, for kidnapping resulting in death, which the penalty for that is life in prison or the death penalty. So you get the FBI involved, and uh, five weeks later, we're done. I really want to talk about the FBI. So I'm a 2010 graduate of the FBI National Academy, and I can tell you the resources they can bring to bear on a case are incredible. And so they get this case in December, and here we are in January, and this guy is either going to spend the rest of his life in prison or get the death penalty, which either one is well-deserved. Personally, I'd rather he spend his entire life in prison because that's going to be a miserable existence for him. 
and the death penalty would be too quick. That's just my personal opinion. That's kind of an interesting take on uh, death penalty versus life in prison. Uh, I don't think I've ever quite heard. I've not, I don't think I've ever heard a, a lawman say it that way. It's um, it's interesting because, of course, if you're going to be executed, it, it's it's going to be 10, 15, 20 years before that happens anyway, given all the appeals process and you know the Supreme Court and how the law continues to uh, develop, I won't say evolve, but you know, just it seems like there's always some new shift in it. So, uh, but I understand where he's coming from. You know, um, it, it, it's there. There is kind of this uh, long-standing discussion uh, amongst uh, criminal justice folks and philosophers about you know what form of punishment is actually more appropriate, what form of punishment is more uh, deterrent, what form of punishment is more awful. You know, and I mean not here today to have that conversation about this case. I'm just saying he's he's dipping into that conversation, and, uh, you know, it is one that people have been having for quite some time. And the one thing that I thought that the sheriff did yesterday that was exactly right, you know, and, and Sheriff Johnson's always kind of got this right tone of, um, you know, crime is serious, we're going to take care of it, and um, just a little bit of uh, terrify the criminals, you know, which is what you want in a sheriff, right? You you, you want a sheriff where the criminal's like, oh, Right, because that's like deterrent effect, right? I would prefer to have it occur all in Santa Rosa County and him go through our court system, but because of several things I can't really discuss, that's not going to happen. But the main point is, is that Mr. Spanavello is never going to see the light of day again, and that's the most important thing, not only for for uh, Carly or Cassie, but for the Carly family as well, and that's the main thing for us. And also the message to any other would-be criminals, particularly people that might be uh, in any way, shape, or form considering or on the brink of trying to commit a homicide, as, of course, he is alleged to have done. This is for Santa Rosa County and the family. That's the most important thing. Um, We're all getting closure. Usually we talk about the family getting closure, which always is the most important thing, but uh, we're all getting closure. And I, I think this sends a message as well. We'll do whatever it takes and go anywhere we need to go to solve a homicide. And that's the main, most important message. So if we have any idiots out there thinking about killing somebody, don't do it in the center of the county. That's all I can tell you, because you will get caught. So. There you go. Now we wait for disposition through the legal process, right? 516 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Meanwhile... In case you missed the news, SEAL Team 6 has killed uh, Bilal al-Sudani, who is one of the key facilitators of ISIS. And uh, this is an operation that killed him and 10 others. And um, uh, he was involved in a network of ISIS affiliates around the world. And this is a statement that Lloyd Austin put out yesterday. who was responsible for fostering and growing the presence of ISIS in Africa and for funding the group's operations worldwide, including in Afghanistan. And this has led to, or you know, in conjunction with this, you also had um, the announcement yesterday that we were going to be not shifting number of resources and not shifting nature of mission in Somalia, where he was killed, but that we are putting troops back more permanently rather than in and out into Somalia. Of course, you, know, you may recall that there was uh, some very... Uh, infamous uh, incidents involving the United States troops and, um, you know, we had the movie Black Hawk Down and um, just, you know, there's there's a history here, but that's an unstable part of the world with, you know, opportunity for bad guys to operate. And so being there on a more regular basis is the idea. John Kirby spoke yesterday and explained it. So I can announce today that the, the president has authorized the Department of Defense to return a small 
persistent U.S. military presence uh, to Somalia. Uh, this decision was based on a request from Secretary Austin uh, and uh, included advice from senior commanders and, of course, uh, concern for the safety of our troops who have incurred additional risk by deploying in and out of Somalia on an episodic basis for the past 16 months. So, again, this is a repositioning of forces that are already in theater, uh, who have traveled in and out of Somalia now on an episodic basis since January of 2021. 20, uh, so for the last two years, we have been in and out, but not permanently in. And this is designed to take that commitment and basically put them more permanently inside of Somalia so they don't have to do the transitioning in and out and they can be more effective without increasing either the level of the commitment or the amount of resources and money that we're putting into this particular task. Our view was, the Secretary's view was, that uh, that episodic engagement model uh, was inefficient and increasingly unsustainable. Forces also lost time on target and critical situational awareness needed to detect and disrupt an enemy attack. Um, shifting to a persistent presence will not change the mission, um, and it will not imply substantial changes in resources. It, it is interesting, and I don't, uh, I don't pretend to know enough to really speak definitively, so you'll, you'll not hear me make a snarky comment. But you'll remember that the criticism of the Biden administration's decision to withdraw entirely from Afghanistan was we would lose operational momentum, we would lose immediate capability, we would only be able to operate in Afghanistan on an as-needed basis, and that would be, you know, mobilization, demobilization, all of that kind of stuff becomes an issue. And uh, so now, in comparison in Somalia, the argument is, well, we have to be there in order to be operable, better operable with the resources we have. We don't want to be transitioning in and out. Um, so seems to me like that is a, um, a tension or a conflict between the justifications being used in two cases where we basically have done opposite things just you know i'm not saying that we've been particularly active in afghanistan militarily since we abandoned the country to the taliban but just you know those two philosophies don't seem to be exactly uh, in line to me if you ask me and i certainly don't blame john kirby for this it's not him making the decisions he's just announcing it um kirby used to be by the way just for fyi i know a lot of you local folks i've only been here nine years but local folks will know this um john kirby used to be the public affairs officer for the Blue Angels a long time ago in his career, <laughs> you know, before he was at the Pentagon and, you know, before everything else that he has done. Wow. 520 on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. I'll second guest dinners with friends because they can be interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon Pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints. Call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit creoninfo.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's C-R-E-O-N info.com. 
This is Mike Wiggins. I don't have to tell you that winter can be tough on our lawns and gardens, but there is much to be done, such as planting winter annuals and getting ready for spring. And remember, if you've got lawn and garden questions, we've got the answers on the Guard Line every Tuesday morning from 9 until 10 and 8 to 9 on Saturdays. The Garden Line, only on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. News Radio 92.3. Andrew McKay, Jenna Barr, Brian Kilmeade, Dave Ramsey, Bobby Rossi, and Lars Larson. Informative, local, dependable. You work on commission, right? Uh, yes. Big mistake. Big. Huge. Sorry for the heavy metal so early in the morning. 522. <laughs> Banging my head over here. I know, right? 522 on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Spence Cold Morning News. It's cold 37. <laughs> God. It's got to stop. I mean, at some point, it's got to stop. Every year. Um, That's how seasons work. David Wayne's in the... Oh, hey. By the way, everybody, good job. We survived the asteroid. So good job. Oh, it already went by? Yeah. yeah See, I was wearing my helmet just in case. Were you? That's, yeah. Well, that's, look, I mean, you know, the authorities told us, you know, Mike Wood said that's the that's the best defense is wear the helmet. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a weak defense is better than no defense at all. So, Well, when Mike Wood gives me advice, by God, I'm going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. All right. So as the survivors, um, what's going on in the newsroom this morning? Well, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy wants President Biden to come to the negotiating table over raising the debt ceiling in a tweet just before Biden delivered a speech on the economy. McCarthy said he should set a date to discuss a responsible debt ceiling increase. Israeli jets struck Gaza overnight after uh, Palestinian militants fired a couple of rockets at Israel earlier. Reportedly, there were no casualties in the southern Israeli communities near the border with Gaza. That exchange after an Israeli raid on a refugee camp that killed at least nine people. And this next one's going to sound like the plot to one of those cheesy 80s movies that went straight to VHS, but it's a real story. Go on. Like, a little more respect for the movies that we grew up on. Go on. One of those great 80s movies that went straight to VHS. Thank you. Uh, So, a nun is now being praised for stopping a robbery at a poverty center in western New York. Her name is Sister Mary Janice. She's the director of the Response to Love Center. This is in Buffalo, New York. They provide food, care, and other services for the needy. Well, she heard a noise. So, she opened the door. Saw a stepladder out of place. When she opened the door then, one uh, one robber fled the scene while the other one was on the roof of the building, right? So she says she threw the ladder to the ground nice. and said, this is God's property and get out. And the guy had to jump off the roof and run away. So so these, clearly you guys didn't grow up Catholic. Nuns are terrifying. Yeah, no, They're nuns, not sweet. Not, not all, I mean... I mean, if I'm you really wrong. look into it, the, uh, the the history of the Batman legend was based on nun behavior, as a matter of fact. Really? <laughs> I mean, people would think more like the penguin, but no, it's not. Batman actually is the one that came, <laughs> that came from the nuns. So wait, let me get this straight. These brain surgeons were going to rob the poverty center. Yeah, it seems like an odd That's robbery so target. That's No, but like... What did they think they were going to find? You know, that's a super bizarre. Who would? Well, if who, it's a thrift, okay, like water, I would not. Oh, well, if it's rob, a thrift but store, but like, okay, yeah, if it's fine. a thrift store. I mean, there's a bunch fine of stuff that way I would to undermine my joke. Uh, who? <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Who is going to play the nun in the movie? Ooh, Rene Russo. 
Chuck Norris. Oh, 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 interesting. Uh, no, Sister uh, jo- Chuck Norris. Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. <laughs> oh, I could see that. Yeah, that's that's. Although she'd probably Why be more are like. Why you on the roof? She'd be the one who'd be more like the voice in the ear talking the nun through how to disable the robber, you know, because that was kind of always her role. Was the that the was always her role? Like, she, she was Royce the one. Point nun. She was the one. He, she, was, she was the one who took the appointments for for targeting. So that's right. And her brother's got to be. Well, in there, so I'm right. going to be waiting for this one. This one will go straight to Netflix. Oh, fantastic! And but of course, soon you're going to have to actually pay for it. You see this? Netflix is going to um, end the sharing of passwords by the end of March. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how they pull that I'll off, right? I don't know if that's working. But yeah, there you go. David, thanks so much for the update. 526 on News Radio 92.3. Um, oh, so <laughs> we just, no, just every time I see it, okay, every time I see it, um, there's something. Yesterday, um, Joe Biden was given a speech in, uh, I believe this was in Virginia, is where this took place. I say that because uh, the congressman in question is from Virginia. So here goes. You decide what you think about this. Little stage setter. No bar so Yeah, right. Fade now. Shh. This working? Yeah, it's working. How are you all doing? Please take a seat if you have one. <laughs> if you have one. I said that thank you very much. I, uh, I said that uh, when I was seeking the nomination. I said, take a seat, everybody. And there wasn't a single chair in the place. I said, that Biden really is stupid. He doesn't know it. <laughs> Where's Doug? Congressman. He's around here somewhere. Now, at this point, what are you thinking? That Doug's dead. Yeah, that's one. That we, We've seen that before. Right. Uh, perhaps you're also thinking that, you know, Doug's not there. A little embarrassing, right? right? Or something else, because he kind of had the feeling like this would be one of those, you know, hey, stand up. You know, you stand up. He's in a wheelchair. Oh, not everybody stand up. You know, like one of those yeah, kind of moments. Yeah, absolutely. You're not quite sure where this is all going to go. Oh, there you are. You found him. Doug, thanks for the passport into town. Yeah, the only problem is Doug's actual name is Don Beyer. <laughs> 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 the reason the reason there was a bit of a gap in response time is because the president was asking for Doug when he meant to be asking for Don. I said that Biden really is stupid. He doesn't know it. Where's Doug? Not here. Not there's no there's no Doug Doug Representative Doug Congressman Doug. Where oh oh Don but yes Don Byer is over here, Mr. President. Okay. It's, you know, it's, um, it's only funny because he led with the other comment. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, these people are always making fun of me for being stupid. Representative Doug. And is there a Doug in the house? No. No, there's not. Look, it's, you know, whatever. It's a lot of people's names to remember. Sounds like something I would do. Is this thing on? Is this thing on? What about me? It's working? Yeah, it's working. It's for now 529 here on News Radio 92.3. Oh, man. Um, oh, yeah. So Netflix actually is going to, they say, they say they're going to stop password sharing by the end of March. Yeah, it's we'll only supposed see. to be used within the household. You know, it is kind of, it, it is kind of a weird thing. It just. Okay. Have you ever watched Net? I mean, you probably have not, but watch Netflix at work. I guess you would. Well, so that, that's the point is that people presume there's a portability to it. Right. I mean, look, your, um, you, you know, your cable or your satellite 
you watch that at home. But of course, now most of those companies have the ability to watch it somewhere else. You know, I, we're Dish users, okay? So you can have your um, uh, your Dish network that you can watch on your laptop somewhere else. And you know, people have gotten accustomed to the idea that you can watch it on your phone. Obviously, a lot of people watch stuff on their phone on your laptop somewhere yeah. else. And so, if you can take your device with you and go to your, you know your chill others person's house and why why wouldn't you be able to share you know the why it's the same basic thing well we'll see i mean i'm curious to see what the technology looks like we can or let if you it know. really works right you know so uh, but i think for an awful lot of people and and i think people have already started to feel like netflix is doing this somewhat you know they've been a little bit more strict in kicking people off of their their accounts and things like that but uh, we'll see if they pull it off and of course what they say is money right i mean we we got to be able to make the money what do you have coming up david yeah, Jesse Lacoste back in jail. We'll tell you about it after Fox. Fox News. I'm Lillian Wu. The mother of Tyree Nichols calls for calm. The city's brace for more protests over his death after beating by police. You can get your point across, but we don't need to tear up our cities, people, because we do have to live in them. At a vigil last night in Memphis where five officers have been charged with murder and other crimes. Just hours from now, Memphis police are expected to release body cam footage from the night of Tyree Nichols' death, and authorities are warning that video will be hard to watch. Now, this all started on January 7th when the 29-year-old was pulled over by Memphis police on suspicion of reckless driving. The Nichols family's legal team has seen the footage, and they say it shows the five officers beating Tyree for three minutes. Fox's Brooke Singman. And another big company says it's cutting jobs. Toy maker Hasbro will lay off 15% of its global workforce. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 531. It's News Radio 92.3. I'm David Wayne. Right now, 39 degrees. It is partly cloudy in Pensacola. We're hearing from the Pensacola business owner at the center of the latest arrest involving Jesse Lacoste, local contractor accused of taking money from dozens of homeowners and business owners for work that he either never completed or started. Speaking with Channel 3, Tyler Wynn says he hired Lacoste to do construction work for his new business, paid $184,000. We are in huge, you know, credit card debt now because, I mean, we, all the money that I had worked for and that, you know, my dad left me after he passed, it's, it's all gone. You know, Jesse just took it and did not want to do the work. Lacoste was arrested on Wednesday, charged with three counts of larceny, one count of fraud. Wynn says Lacoste was ordered to pay back over $234,000, but says he's yet to see a dime of that money. A convicted felon arrested after falling asleep at a gas pump and being found with drugs and weapons. This happened over at the Cumberland's Farm, Cumberland Farm Station on New Warrington Road. Employees there reported a car had been at the pump for several hours, but they didn't see anybody in it. When deputies responded, they found 37-year-old James Nunnally asleep in the driver's seat. As deputies talked with Nunnally, they then saw a bullet on the floorboard, several knives. They searched the man, found a a concealed weapon and uh, bags of meth and marijuana. Deputies say Nunnally had six prior felony convictions. A 22-year-old Pensacola man has been convicted for his alleged role in a shooting on 9th Avenue and Blunt Street earlier this month. 22-year-old Taziah Dixon, charged with principal to attempted murder and discharging a firearm from a vehicle. PPD investigators say 25 shots were fired at a man that was waiting on a red light. This was on January 1st. Dixon now being held on $60,000 bond at the Escambia County Jail. 
Florida homeowners could have a shortened amount of time to file a lawsuit about construction defects in their homes. Representative John Snyder has now filed a bill that says they could help address a lack of affordable housing in the state by reducing costly litigation and insurance costs for contractors. Uh, when, When folks are able to enter into the building, begin use of it, that's when the clock should start. Uh, and so from that day uh, uh, for, under this language, seven years, the statute of repose would be open for that property owner to, to file a claim. Under current law, homeowners can file lawsuits about defects up to 10 years after they take possession of the property or they're issued a certificate of occupancy, whichever happens later. Cal was hit by a dump truck last night on Highway 95A. Now, this happened over near that intersection with Casey Lane, and FHP troopers say the cow was crossing the road when it was hit by a southbound dump truck. The cow reportedly, though, did not suffer serious injuries and was corralled back into its enclosure after the crash. It's 534 News Radio 923. Let's get a look at our Channel 3 weather. Another chilly day out there today with temperatures warming up near 56 degrees for your high in the afternoon. Mostly sunny skies, lows overnight dropping near 42. Slight warm up as we go into Saturday. Mostly sunny skies, high near 62. Saturday night temperatures dropping near 52 degrees. As we go into Sunday, rain will return. 90% chance of showers with a high near 68 degrees. Saturday night temperatures dropping near 54. Stay connected to the Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. It's 535, 39 degrees in Pensacola, 44 in Gulf Breeze, and 37 in Milton. Our next news at 6, breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Pensacola right now with Bobby Rossi, afternoons at 4. This is House Democrat leader Ventress Driscoll. Quote, this is a political move from a man who wants to run for president and distract from the abortion discussion. End quote. Wait, what? Teacher pay, one of the areas that, that Florida can improve on. I'm like, it's a political move. Why is it political? And then when I saw that they said it's political because he's distracting from the abortion discussion. What abortion discussion? On News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Hello, this is Mary with Howard Young Flooring. Shopping for flooring can be a little overwhelming. At Howard Young Flooring, we are here to help you any way we can and answer any questions you may have so that you can make knowledgeable decisions. We understand the importance of each and every customer and would like to thank you for allowing us into your homes. For those we have not met, we hope to see you soon. Visit us today at 4333 Avalon Boulevard in Milton. We look forward to covering your future. As a business owner, you have a lot on your plate. Managing staff, growing your business, training new hires, and more. With so much going on, you need Avalon. An IRS certified PEO, Avalon HR can help from running your payrolls, submitting state and federal taxes, helping with COVID employee retention credits, workers' compensation insurance, employee benefits, and HR expertise. Avalon HR lets you focus on your core business while we handle the rest. Avalon HR, employing made easy. When you listen to News Radio 92.3 on Sundays, you get Christian Outlook at 7, Ask the Preacher at 8, Town Hall Review, Fox News Sundays, The Weekend, Check It Out, and Gun Talk at 8. Good 
morning, 537 here on News Radio 92.3. The minutes equal the temperature. 37 degrees outside. Ugh, just be prepared. It's cold today. Yesterday, we had a chance to talk to Wes Moreno, the uh, county administrator for Escambia County. And uh, because there was no meeting yesterday, everything he said is still current. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, we talk to Wes before the meetings, and then the meeting gives you more information. In this case, nope, we're all good. So, uh, Wes Moreno, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Hey, good morning, Andrew. It's great to be here this morning. Always good to have you. So I know it's only been a week, but do we know any more yet, or have we started pursuing the uh, either the 25 or the 45 or both? Uh, we're pursuing uh, that money as well as uh, another announcement of uh, 66 or $67 million that's maybe coming to our area. So we're reading through all those grants, reading, you know, there's always stipulations and criteria that you have, that have to be met. So uh, we're reading through that, those grants and uh, noting the criteria, and then we'll start putting our applications together. And we are absolutely going to be applying for some of those grant money. Very good. Look forward to seeing more details on that. You know, more better build. <laughs> more better build yeah, is kind of, you know, as much as we can. Um, oh, in case I forget, and I want to make sure that I don't forget, we finally have a fully functioning, and by fully, I mean fully, properly, historically accurate sailfish sign. How much How much of a hallelujah moment was this for you when it went on on Tuesday? It was a fantastic moment. Uh, somebody sent me a text, uh, a video text of the sign uh, once they got it powered up. And uh, Commissioner Bender, I'd asked Commissioner Bender, I said, now, you want to do anything out there, you know, ribbon cutting or something? He goes, no, just light it up and leave it on. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yes, exactly right. Just because I remember yeah, I was talking. Yeah, we're, we're really happy about that. I was talking to the owner of the uh, the Plastic Arts uh, Sign Company, and I, you know, I was like, so you're going to test it or what? And he's like, Brother, it's on, and when I turn it on, it's going to be on. <laughs> like right on, I love yeah, it. Right. Do that, and it is. It's the first time I have, and I've said this before, but I've only lived here nine years, and I had never seen it fully functioning. And um, I, you know, it's 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 fantastic. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Anyway, so uh, good lo- good resolution of a long term problem that we've obviously been been living with. The the one takeaway, and you and I had talked about this before, um, is. We have this practice in Escambia County, and it's not unique to us, of we take the lowest qualified bidder, and you and I talked before about how, you know, sometimes you get what you pay for. And so I just, I I hope that in the future, we can make some space for considerations of quality and locality rather than just lowest eligible bid. You, You agree with that philosophy, right? Yeah, I do, and I think what what you if you uh, take a look, what we've been doing a little more here lately is using a request for for a proposal uh, solicitation, which lets us, uh, you know, you bring us your proposal like for the sign and tell us what your qualifications are, let us know where you've been been uh, successful at, let us know what what your cost is, but it lets you assess uh, the the bidder, the proposer a little more in depth, ask ask more questions. And of course, yeah, price is always uh, something to be heavily considered. But in, like in this case, with the sign, you know, maybe we wouldn't been, if we'd have been better off to pay a few more dollars the first time. Uh, of course, you know, 
It's still, you still we had Hurricane Sally roll through, but sure. yeah, absolutely. I think a request for proposals is what you see us using a little bit more of these days. And I, and I know uh, I've talked to Sam Abel, the city manager for Gulf Breeze. So I know you know um, well, but you know, and kind of her perspective on this was, you know, we had a lowest bidder project at the east end of Gulf Breeze that didn't work out so good, and we had a lowest bidder project at the west end of Gulf Breeze, a little bit bigger project that That's right. you know. And so maybe maybe we uh, approach this a little bit differently in the future. Um, we're hearing, you know, you and I talked last week about this. This Englewood uh, Baptist Church being acquired to be uh, converted over into a community center, um, a fairly significant price tag for that. Uh, one of the things that I have heard as a criticism concern since then is it's not that far from like the Fricker Center. It's maybe within even a mile, if I'm not wrong about the map distance. Why do we need another community center so close to where we already have one? Uh, your thoughts about that? Well, you know, it was part of the plan, uh, you know, when the uh, central uh, booking uh, area blew up. All of that, you know, we, we had this money, there was money planned to build a new Inglewood Boys and Girls Club, which sits maybe a block away. And it's a pretty old building. Uh, they, they do a lot, a lot of good work out of there, but it's really old and cramped. And so, you know, Commissioner May had a, had a vision and, you know, why do we want to rebuild something or try to revamp something when we have this building literally a block away that can be utilized as a boys and girls club, a community center. It's got a commercial kitchen in it. It has space to build a basketball board, a gymnasium, and some community space in there. I mean, we've we've been doing a lot of assessment on it. And, uh, you know, it could, I think you mentioned it from the dais, but it could even be utilized uh, probably as a shelter. Uh, during storm events and such, and, and a feeding a feeding spot because of the commercial kitchen, but so we're still doing some due diligence. The board authorized us, you know, up to, up to 1.7, but we you know we haven't officially put the offer across the table yet. So we, we're still talking a little bit and doing doing some looking and some assessing, and uh, you know, as the weeks move forward, we may we may go ahead and put that offer across. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at at the moment, and that's kind of how we got to be there. Uh, a question I'm going to ask when we come back from traffic is, um, you know, I understand the upfront purchase price and then sort of ongoing maintenance, you know, how much we're factoring that into our budget. Uh, Wes, one of the questions that I always have about making big purchases like this is, you know, are we also putting in an mm-hmm. estimated annual maintenance upkeep, you know, so that it's not just the acquisition price, but it's uh, a realistic assessment of how the ownership and operation or maintenance of that facility is going to impact the budget on an annual basis. Uh, I, I didn't see it. Maybe I didn't look hard enough, but do we have an, any estimate about that yet? And is that part of the budget decision? It is, it is part of the budget decision. And we have been, you know, we've assessed like the HVAC systems and some commercial systems within the facility to know what, so we know what condition they're in, yeah. how much life they have left, or maybe ones that have to be replaced right off the bat. And so we're kind of aware of, of some of those deficiencies, or, or maybe not, maybe they're not deficient. Maybe they're just, you know, maybe they're a couple years old. But we are taking into account all of that, uh, all of the amenities of the building, all the facilities in the, that building. And so we'll know kind of we have to do know kind of what we would have to do to spend, what we'd have to spend to uh, make that and transition that into uh, the community center slash boys and girls club that Commissioner May envisions. Uh, probably a couple million dollars is what we're looking at to, to transition. And then I think, you know, once we get it there, I, I don't think the maintenance will be over, overbearing. I mean, I think 
uh, with all the systems updated and everything new or, or upgraded, I think we'll be just fine as, as far as the general maintenance of it as we move forward. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I, I'm not saying we can't afford it. I just always think, you know, we ought to, you know, we ought to always be talking about not just the upfront cost, but the how much every year thereafter is it going to take us to own this thing? And you know, just because that that's a key part of the the finance of it. Uh, you also you um, the board voted to move ahead with a non-congregate shelter plan with a bunch of uh, grant money, uh, American Rescue Plan money if i'm not mistaken um but we're talking about several million dollars this would be a build or are you looking to convert this is a build right uh um i actually we have an eye on a couple existing buildings oh uh, okay that we're, we're going to be looking at and uh, you know we're looking to be collaborative with this effort i, I i've been as i've said this before i've been uh, I met with Allison Patton, city council person, and, uh-huh. and she and I talked. And out of that talk, we put a small working group together uh, to take a look at, at all things homeless, really. The point in time count, low barrier shelter, uh, continuum of care. Uh, there's just a lot of moving pieces when you start looking into the homeless issue. Uh, but, you know, we have been allocated grant money, $3.1 million, it's $4.1 million. And uh, so we have to register our plan with HUD mm-hmm. by March the 30th. And so that's what that was at the board meeting. It was the first step. was asking the board to approve the plan. And that plan was put together in a collaborative effort. Uh, we've looked around. It seemed like most communities that are somewhat successful in, in, uh, in the homeless issue, yeah. uh, low barrier shelter seems to be a key component to let you be successful. And so that was why we put so much per percentage on the low barrier shelter. And and that's the and, one, uh, sorry, and, the, and non-congregate, so it's individual rooms and bathrooms. Non-congregate. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, room and bathroom. So, you know, there's a lot to it. You got the low barrier shelter. There needs to be some transitional housing and then, a, you know, a plan to move them to housing. I and mean, it's, it's a big issue. And I think uh, a collaborative effort with folks who are not only passionate about it, but knowledgeable about it, and that will actually work and drive to, to be successful. <laughs> I think that's the problem. Some of the, our work groups sometimes everybody gets together and goes, "Well, I think we should do this. I think we should do that. Maybe we should do the other thing." But then everybody leaves the room. There's no action plan, and so that was why we put the small group together because we felt like we could be a little more successful in that in that uh, endeavor. That's great. You know, I also we also have some good news. I'd like to always like to end on good news if we can. Uh, Escambia County Fire Rescue recently had uh, Fireman of the Year. We also had the uh, volunteer fireman of the year, and we now have the fire instructor of the year in the state of Florida. So uh, ECFR is doing pretty good. Also, you guys had um, uh, the gun table, a gun round table, gun volunteer round table discussion with Chip Simmons that the county is going to be involved in that, working on bringing information, resources, you know, whatever, all kinds of things uh, to a small community, you know, a small slice of the geography here to try to make an impact. And I can't wait to see some of the plans for that. But last thing here that I wanted to cover with you, Wes, before we go is I did hear uh, this news item from this week. Did somebody have a birthday in the last couple of days somebody who might be the county administrator is that accurate 
<laughs> we sure did. We sure did uh, on Monday. Yeah, I turned 57 on Monday. Happy oh, birthday, congrats. Mr. Skinner, administrator. administrator. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Well, happy birthday, Wes. Congratulations. And uh, we always like to have a little bit of fun. And uh, yeah, I love your action. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Wes, Wes Moreno is the Escambia County Administrator. We'll talk to you again next week, Wes. As always, thanks for the time. Thanks for the work, sir. All right. I appreciate it, Andrew. Absolutely. 548 on News. I always love when I can uh, catch them off guard a little bit, make them He's laugh. He's a nervous laugh. I know. That's so funny. <laughs> What's happening to me right now? <laughs> oh, I love that. We had a lot of we had a, had a lot of fun yesterday in the interviews. It was good. Yeah, it was, it was really good. good. Uh, we found out that um, well, it was just uh, let's see. I guess it was, it was Wednesday. We found out when DC Reeves was uh, stealing the napkins from the White House. And <laughs> I just love him more and I more know. every single day. And M- Mike Wood is recommending a helmet for asteroid defense. I mean, we had fun. It was a lot of fun yesterday. Yeah. Five forty nine. If you're thinking about getting that next vehicle, I recommend Frontier Motors. Strongly recommend Frontier Motors. We had such a great experience, and I, I know so many other people who have had an equally great experience there. And you know, one of the things that they do i always say you know they serve the community right and you might think that's just a word well i i take my word seriously I, you know it's important to me as a philosopher and um when i say they serve i mean like for example one just a small thing is when you go to look at the price of a car you get a sheet of paper that has all of the numbers on the front you know the tax the title the if there's a dealer doc fee whatever any anything okay and then at the bottom is a number and that's the only number you ever talk about because that's the final end number the out the door write the check kind of price attached to that piece of paper the second page is a carfax and a carfax in case you don't know is just the uh, vehicle's maintenance and repair history to the degree that the shop doing the repairs reported it to carfax so it's not always 100 percent you know and they might miss some stuff and if people are um you know do inappropriate things they may not report it to carfax or i actually ran into that one time is the reason i mentioned that as an example i almost bought a car that had no airbags because the carfax was clean but, you know, I took it to a mechanic and he's like, oh, bro, <laughs> you know, like because I didn't know. Anyway, and so in this case, you, you know, Carfax is helpful, but I still recommend a, um, a good used vehicle inspection from uh, a mechanic you trust. But the point is that if you're buying a car from somewhere else, like I was trying to buy, like basically from these guys in a strip mall um, and you don't get a Carfax from them, um, go run it for free at Frontier. Like just give them the VIN and they'll run one for you. No problem. OK, easy peasy. You say, why would they help you buy a car from somebody else? Because they can. And maybe they help save you from a problem, okay? All right, um, you know that that may be as well. So the point is, they will help you buy a car from somebody else because it's easy for them to do, and it just helps people make better decisions. So when I say Frontier has been serving the Pensacola community for more than 25 years behind the big Buffalo on Beverly Parkway, I mean that. As a small business owner, what keeps you up at night? Just knowing if your email got hacked or your phone system went down, it could cost you thousands in revenue as well as your reputation. That's where Data Revolution comes in with their unique position to take care of you and your business IT support, phone systems, cybersecurity, and more. Secure it and sleep better at night by going to datarevs.com. Winner of the 2021 Best of the Bay for IT support. Datarevs.com. Attention all area veterans. The VA Claims Lawyer wants to help you get all the benefits you deserve. They specialize in helping area veterans with filing VA claims and appealing VA denials. Al Giordano is a disabled former U.S. Marine Corps Sergeant who has spent nearly 30 years representing and advocating for disabled veterans and their families. He is local and will do a free review of your claim. Call 877-VET-FILE now with no fee unless you win. Al Giordano, attorney at law. 
Listen to News Radio on air at 92.3 FM, 95.3 FM, AM 1620, and online at newsradio923.com. Download our mobile app or listen through Alexa. Uh, can you remind me what I pay you people for? Honestly, throw me a bone here. So, uh, you know, we got some football this weekend. Looking forward to the... Uh, Is it the playoffs? It, yeah, it's the last uh, last two games for the Super Bowl. So we have uh, four teams left, and then uh, we have the week off where they play uh, flag football this year for the, the Pro Bowl, and then uh, the Super Bowl. So we are uh, now three weekends from the Super Bowl. Oh, my goodness. I know. It's right there, you know? So we'll see what happens. Uh, I will say this. We never got to share this earlier in the week, but there was possibly my all-time favorite. This is a bit of a stretch to say it that, but I'm going to say it anyway. One of my all-time favorite hot mic moments from the uh, Jaguars game last weekend. Did you happen to catch this? No. They had the, um, you know, the, the refs have a mic, and they turn it on, they turn it off. And sometimes they have it turned oh, off I've, when they go to announce I've the I've heard foul. that plenty of times. Yeah, yeah. right. And then sometimes they have it turned on, and they didn't mean to. Um, but here was a uh, hot mic was on during the Chiefs-Jags game. Henny got hit. Everybody shut up. Henny. <laughs> 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 He's just trying to settle all the players up. Everybody shut up. Everybody shut up. Now, I mean, that should be your ref all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. That's really Y'all funny. Y'all simmer down now. Everybody shut up. <laughs> That's right. my new ringtone. That's right. 554, David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? Defense attorneys for some of the five ex-Memphis police officers involved in the arrest of Tyree Nichols now say the officers are in shock that they're charged with murder. Nichols died in, in uh, hospital days after the traffic stop uh, involving the officers. The former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she doesn't know if she's going to watch the upcoming body camera footage from the attack on her husband last year. The footage from an officer that responded to the attack expected to be released later today. And anti-abortion protesters apparently broke into the room where Walgreens was holding its annual shareholders meeting on Thursday. They were protesting uh, Walgreens and CVS's decision to start selling abortion pills. Interesting. A crime's a crime. Okay. Yep. You know, you don't get to you don't get to behave that way. Sorry, fellows or, or ladies, whoever was involved in that. Uh, back to the the Tyree Nichols cases. I don't. We haven't been talking much about this. It all developed pretty quickly over the last couple of days. But this is um, this is likely to be very bad. And in spite of okay, so his background is uh, they pulled him over for reckless driving. I guess is kind of the background of this. Um, somehow or other they get into a scuffle or he, he runs away, flees. Okay. And uh, eventually five police officers get him on the ground. And the allegation is that over the course of the next three minutes, uh, they beat the crap out of him is the allegation. Okay. Just repeatedly. And he subsequently dies of his injuries. Like, uh. you know, later on uh, five officers involved. All five are black. He's black. All five of the officers are black. Uh, the They've charged them now with, I think it's uh, second degree murder is the charge against them, and uh, varying other ancillary charges against They all turn themselves in, okay? Uh, they all, I think they've all now made bail, so I think they're all out. The body cam video was shown to the family, Ben Crump, and their actual lawyer. Ben Crump's kind of like facilitating. And, uh, you know, they came out yesterday and gave a press conference and talked about how awful it was. And, the you know, the mom, I think, was the one who was talking about how she couldn't, you know, she watched for a minute and then couldn't watch anymore. Um, very understandably so. 
And they haven't released the, the body cam, but they are going to release it today. And the concern, of course, is that the body camera is going to lead to just you know rioting, you know. Right. Well, sure. But but also at this point, everything you could ask for, except for to have this man back alive, has been done. You know, they have already been charged. They have already been arrested, turned themselves in, and bonded. I mean, you know, the there's no like wait and see what to do with it. Right. You know? Right. And so. Yeah, I hope also, I hope that Memphis is peaceful uh, today after this. But it is a bit of, to me, it's always a concern you release it on a weekend when people have more free time. And historically, we've seen this all the way back to Ferguson where, you know, more free time when people are worked up about something is, you know, a higher risk scenario. So certainly we hope there's no problem. Uh, David, thanks so much for the update. 557 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. What else do we have going on? Um... Oh, we hadn't talked about this, but this is really interesting. I I don't know where it's all going to land. And, you know, every year we cover the bills in the Florida legislature and they kind of go through this long process of being formed into their final product. But uh, one of the big bills, you know, HB1, meaning that it's. It, that doesn't mean it's the most important bill, but typically Republicans. Those, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, just kidding. No, I don't. No, <laughs> I thought but, we're playing the game. But typically, oh yeah, well, no, kidding. this is absolutely Republican. Um, <laughs> the, the low number bills are like the biggest priority items typically because they're the you know mm-hmm. out the gate they number them that way. Anyway, um, this would be to expand vouchers in the state of Florida to everyone without regard to income limits. Like right now, you have income limited vouchers, and so you can go to a private, take your kid to a private school, but you got to qualify for the voucher. So this would expand it to include everybody, basically doubling the amount of money that we spend on private school tuition through state mechanisms. And, uh, you know, it's I mean, it's a pretty enormous amount of money. I'm a big fan of vouchers. I'm absolutely. I just don't think that, you know, if the government wants to fund education, great. That's very different from going to government schools and making everybody pay for education then turning around and saying that the money has to be spent through government schools. I'd probably have less of an objection to that if the schools were all fantastic, but the schools are not all fantastic. Some schools are fantastic. Some schools are horrible. And the people who are most adversely affected by the government school are the people who go to the worst schools, which typically are in the lowest income areas. And so it is poor people who are already at a massive disadvantage educationally don't have the ability to flee those schools. This is the classic argument in favor of vouchers. Now, in Florida, again, low-income people are eligible for these vouchers and have been for quite some time. If you earn below 400% of the federal poverty level, which is 111000 for a family of four, uh, that's about $7,500 a student. Well, now it's going to be anybody. Uh, so the amount of money is going to basically double from about $1.2 to about $2.4 billion. There's also a provision in here that would allow for homeschoolers to get eligibility for the vouchers. But there's about 150,000 homeschool students in in Florida, and it would only be for 10,000 of them in the first year, 20,000 in the second year. It's not yet clear to me exactly what that would cover, whether it would actually serve as mere pay for like a homeschool mom or dad, or whether it would just be for supplies and activities.